Our scripture passage for today comes from Matthew chapter 9, and we'll be reading verses 35 through 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So one thing that we've noticed at our house during the last several months of social distancing is that we have more messes than usual. This was a picture from day one of quarantine, March 18th, hour two. And this is a pretty common scene at our house these days because our house is just more lived in right now. There are more dried sticky milk stains on the tables and more crumbs on the carpet than usual. We are indeed in a mess of a time. The words harassed and helpless feel true for all of us right now. And more than once, I'm sure each of us have felt like sheep without a shepherd. Throughout the scriptures, mountains are significant places of God encounter or theophany. The Israelites received the Ten Commandments from the mountaintop. Mountains are significant in Jesus' ministry. Jesus delivers his most well-known sermon from a mountain. He and the disciples often went up on the mountain to be together, to rest, to process, and to pray. From the mountaintops in the geographical area where Jesus ministered, it's easy to imagine him from several vantage points looking out over the crowds who followed him everywhere in search of hope and healing. I've been thinking about the mountains lately and how much I wish that all of us as a congregation could physically go together to a mountain to rest, to process, and to pray. I can hear your voices. I can smell the fresh spring air. I can feel the coolness of the rocks and the solid ground beneath my feet. I can see us following Jesus up the mountain a little way so we could sit and talk. We need to be with our good shepherd because, boy, do we need to be in God's presence. Boy, do we need hope and direction right now. I've been with the congregation here at First Baptist in Jefferson City for a little more than five years now. And one of the things I've observed about you 
is that you care deeply for your community and for the world. You are gracious and thinking people. As I imagine us getting to have a day together on the mountain, to stand with Jesus and to look out over all we've seen on the news and on social media and on our city streets these last four months, I can imagine the sadness and the heaviness you would bring with you to that place. Because this is a time in which our thinking is challenged by questions without answers, and when graciousness isn't exactly making the top of our Apple News feed. Today I want to take some time to imagine what our Good Shepherd might say to us on top of the mountain. I want for us to use our imagination to listen through the words of our scripture today, to hear what Jesus has to say to us. Off the bat, I think he says some things that we're not expecting to hear, like the harvest is plentiful. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. This is kind of funny because this would be like me standing in the doorway of that messy room I showed you earlier and saying to my three girls, mm, we need to pray for someone with hands and legs and feet, for someone with blue eyes and cute chubby cheeks who knows where everything goes in this room to come and clean it up. Do you see what Jesus does here? In the political, religious, and societal mess of first century Jewish Christianity, in the midst of Roman occupation, a time in which the tension was so great, the air could explode with a single spark. Jesus already had a group of laborers he was sending into the harvest. And today, as we stand on this mountain together, Jesus reminds us that in the mess of our time and place, Jesus already has a group of laborers he is sending into the harvest, a group of gracious and thinking people. In other words, Jesus is not counting on some other God to send some other group of disciples at some other time. Rather, he is suggesting, as Martin Luther King Jr. did in one of my favorite prayers of his, that the disciples, that we go out and live as though we are the answer to our very own prayers. But since we're feeling a little heavy and broken today up here on the mountain, and since we're not quite ready to walk down the mountain yet because we're all a little bit out of shape from not going to the gym these last four months, we're going to need a little more from Jesus to help us understand where to go from here. 
So Jesus is sending us out to labor in this harvest, but what is it we are laboring for and why? The Gospel of Matthew often uses phrases like the kingdom or reign of God. And today's passage begins with Jesus going from village to village, doing what he always did, which was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. In the prayer Jesus gave us, the Lord's Prayer, we are taught to pray that God's kingdom may come on earth as it is in heaven. What I want you to notice today, church, is that Jesus did not ask us to pray for bigger buildings or budgets. Jesus did not ask us to pray for bigger membership roles or fuller church bank accounts. Jesus asks us to pray for the kingdom to come. The reason we are laboring is so that God's kingdom may come. Because this is God's primary work in the world. There are two things about the scriptural understanding of God's kingdom I want to remind us of today. These are two important distinctions for this moment. The first is that the kingdom of God confronts evil by replacing evil with the power of God. We don't have to look far down from this mountain to see evil on display. And Jesus says to us, if human distress, if evil takes many forms, the power of God does likewise. Jesus' kingdom does not shy away from evil. The second thing about the kingdom I want to remind us of today that we learn from the book of Matthew is that God's reign comes as a state of justice righteousness that is extended to everyone. This is something about God's kingdom that is distinctive in Matthew's gospel. In God's reign, people live in a way that is acceptable to God. They are spiritually, physically, mentally whole. And people live in right relationship with one another. In other words, people seek on behalf of one another that to which they have a right through the riches of God's grace. The kingdom of God is physical and spiritual, horizontal and vertical, not one or the, or the other. Church, this is a time for us to examine our tendency to focus internally and to habitually refocus ourselves on partnering with God for the coming of the kingdom. As we look out from our mountaintop today, Jesus tells us that the crowds are harassed and helpless. Harassed and helpless. These words in verse 36 translated literally mean oppressed and thrown to the ground. In Jesus' time, these were folks who had been failed by the system. The poor, the sick, the unclean, the unlucky, 
the unsavory, none of whom were welcome in the religious system. These are the people who made up the crowds that followed Jesus everywhere he went. Now, the Roman Empire welcomed these folks into their advanced system of slavery in which the poor labored to build an economic and political system that did not benefit them. Neither of these religious or political realities had a place in God's kingdom in Jesus' time. And so today, as thinking and gracious people, we must ask ourselves how we as people of faith are failing those who are in need, especially in this time of great vulnerability. This is a moment in which it's hard to know what to do. We are both stuck and unsettled. I was on a call earlier this week in which a faith leader said, the one thing our country has never been able to figure out is race. And that is true for the church, too. People of faith are feeling stuck on the journey toward racial reconciliation. And people of faith are feeling unsettled by the pandemic. We are asking ourselves how to be the presence of Christ as we face an unknown future. All of this unsettledness and stuckness makes me wonder if what might be more important than knowing what to do in this moment is knowing where to look. The time has come for us to walk down the mountain together. And before we turn to go, we remember another mountaintop moment in scripture, the transfiguration. When Jesus's very form changed in front of his closest disciples and they came to understand in a new way the true essence of who he was. So today, as we begin to walk down the mountain, my prayer is that this might be true for us, that we might remember to whom we are looking, and that we might listen for where Jesus turns our attention. In our scripture today, Jesus brings our attention to the crowds. Jesus talks with us as he has many times before about compassion. Compassion is the deepest, truest essence of Christ. When Jesus looks out over the streets, when he scrolls Facebook and Twitter, when he reads the headlines, he is moved to compassion. When Jesus sees those who are vulnerable to illness and injustice, he is moved to compassion. When Jesus hears our personal and collective cries of pain and anger and loss, he responds with compassion. 
This is the way God has responded to humanity since the beginning of time. When we look to Jesus, we do not receive rose-colored glasses or a ruler by which we can judge the world or some escape hatch so that we can run away from where we are. Rather, when we look to Jesus, our vision is changed so that we see the world in the way God sees the world, with compassion. God is not hovering above us in a gold-plated helicopter, sipping coffee in a white suit. Our good shepherd is walking with us, suffering with us, on mission with us, equipping us with compassion, which is what we need to keep putting one foot in front of the other right now. Beloved, you gracious and thinking people, my prayer for you today as we walk down this mountain is that you might be encouraged as you look out over the crowds, may God allow you to see the pain as an opportunity for reconciliation, as an opportunity for service and compassion. May you be encouraged to remember that you are a laborer and that the harvest is plentiful. And lastly, May you accept the nutrients that your good shepherd gives you, which is compassion. Compassion for yourself, compassion for your family, compassion for our community and for the world. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Amen. I'm so glad that you joined us for worship today. I want to thank each and every one of you for your continued generosity and especially your faithful financial giving. A reminder that there are multiple ways to give. You can continue to give by mailing a check or giving online or through our Church Life app. And we do want to remind you that the church office will be opening on Monday, June 15th, will be open Monday through Thursday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and you're always welcome to drop an offering by during that time as well. Speaking on behalf of our spiritual formation leaders here at First Baptist, I want to encourage each of you and let you know that we continue to pray for you and to pray that you might be encouraged and energized in your own journey with Christ. We are doing several things right now through our church's ministries to help encourage folks through virtual Bible study and other things going on. You're welcome to reach out to me anytime or to James Preston, our spiritual formation coordinator. Most of all, we want you to know that we're praying for you and we want you to be encouraged to take whatever your next step is in faith. For our benediction today, I would like to pray together a prayer, one that I mentioned in my sermon. 
It is a prayer written by Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., a prayer for the church. So let's pray this prayer together as our benediction for today. Lord, we thank you for your church, founded upon your word that challenges us to do more than sing and pray, but go out and work as though the very answer to our prayers depended on us and not upon you. Help us to realize that humanity was created to shine like the stars and live on through all eternity. Keep us, we pray, in perfect peace. Help us to walk together, pray together, sing together, and live together until that day when all of God's children will rejoice in one common band of humanity, in the reign and kingdom of our Lord and of our God. We pray. Amen.